to deliver the State of My Union address, right? Uh, actually, we'll stay as far away from politics as we, as we can today because that, the politics don't have the answer. In fact, just, just go on to social media if you want your dose of politics. You'll, you'll find plenty there. But this morning, I'm going to start the State of My Union with, uh, with a penny. Now, I'm not going to show you a picture of a penny because I'm going to ask you, ask you a few questions about a penny. The pennies are pretty insignificant. In fact, probably uh, most of you at some point in your life have walked past a penny, seen it, and chosen to keep walking, although I, I do my best to stop and anytime I see a penny, pick it up. But let me ask you a few questions about a penny. Do, do you know who's, whose face is on a, the front of a penny? Can someone answer that? Go ahead. Who is it? Abraham Lincoln. Okay, good. Uh, can you tell me without looking at a penny, is he facing right or left? His profile is facing to the right. Very good. Can you tell me what word is directly to the left of Lincoln's head? Anybody? Just shout it out if you know it. Liberty. There you go. The word liberty is directly to the left of, of Lincoln's face on the front of a penny. If you flip a penny over, do you know what is on the back of a penny? I know a building, right, right? We know it's a building, but what building? Does anybody know? Anybody? It's the Lincoln Memorial is on the, is on the back of, of, of the penny. And then something you may not have noticed is at the very bottom right of the Lincoln Memorial is two initials, something I honestly did not know until just a few weeks ago. Two initials are on the back of a penny. F.G. Frank Gasparro who designed the back, the, the new back of a penny after it was, was the wheat penny. Now, we're very familiar with pennies. And, well, we probably have carried thousands of pennies in, in our pockets based on how old you are. I know now people carry everything digitally, but most of us carry thousands of pennies in our, in our pockets or in our purses. And we've handled it so many times. And, and yet, why could we not answer the questions about what a penny looks like. Well, so often because we, we stop being curious about something once we think we understand the value of it. You know, a penny is worth one cent. I know the value. I don't need to ask questions about it anymore. Do you know who asks questions about pennies? Collectors. People who know what to look for in a penny to find its true value because if you find that there's Oh some wheat on the back. It's it's more valuable if you find that there's something missing on a penny That went through the mint machine and was incorrectly printed it raises its value But for the majority of us who think think a penny is only worth one cent We don't stop and value it much because it can't even buy a, a gumball anymore You know many Christians do the same thing when it comes to the to the gospel we believe since we know the value, we know everything there is. We know that Jesus lived a sinless life and, and that he died on the cross for our sins and that he, he was buried in the tomb for three days and rose again. And, and today he sits at the, the right hand of the Father intervening for us and, and he offers salvation to all who place their faith and trust in him. We, we get the gospel and we, we understand its value. And for many believers, and I know this is so true in my heart, the good news of the gospel 
has become nothing more than old news. We start looking for, well, what's next in Christianity? I, I know the value of the gospel keeps me out of hell and I get to go to heaven one day, but, but like, what else is there in Christianity to explore? Like, like, tell me how I can be a better person. Tell me how I can help Jesus. Tell me, tell me what else is there to learn in this Bible. Well, what are the seven scrolls and the seven vials and the, and the seven in, in Revelation? What, what is all the seven bowls? What does all that mean? And we search the scriptures for hidden meanings and numbers even to the point of trying to predict christ's return even though we're already told that no one knows that except the father some of us are used to sharing the gospel with unbelievers or hearing it preached about in church or reading it in the scriptures or studying through with the with life groups and and the gospel has become so regular and so normal to us that we simply have already understood the value of it and we're looking for something more but we've, we've got to be careful that we we don't lose the awe that's found in the glory of the gospel so i love what pastor jd greer he, he says the gospel is not the diving board that that launches you into the pool of christianity the gospel is the pool the gospel is not a classroom in the schoolhouse of christianity the gospel is the schoolhouse he also uses the illustration of the gospel being a well that you don't find the greatest water in the well sitting on the surface and that's why we don't make the wall the, the mouth of wells wider and wider but but very shallow instead we go as deep as we can into a well where the water is clearer and most refreshing and, and the gospel is a well the deeper we go the clearer and sweeter the good news is to us and so back in October, the pastors and, and I, we were looking to 2021 and saying, well, what should we, where should we place our focus as a church in the, in the next year? We didn't want to expand the mouth of the gospel. We wanted to go deeper into it. And where should the emphasis be? And, and where should we putting a greater focus on, of course, not knowing that December things would slow back down as, as they have. But we... We came up with 10 different ideas about how Mount Carmel can continue its mission of being a, a disciple-making community with hearts of faith moved into action by the promises of God that are contained in the gospel. So how, how do we do that? And, and we, we, we prayed over and we studied the scriptures and we said, well, what 10 areas would, would be a church well-pleasing to God? And, and let me just briefly share them with you, although this is not the focus of the message. I, I want to just share with you what, what we hope as, a, as leadership to, to lead our church into a deeper understanding of this year. The first we said was, was worship. We want to be a, a church that truly worships God, not just in praise and worship on a Sunday morning, but with our lives every day and in every action, seeking to bring glory and honor. A church where the word of God is, is taught, is loved, is obeyed, is known. A, a church where, where we understand the call to assemble, that it's, it's not just simply, hey, it's time for church, and so I go to check a box because I'm supposed to or to make me feel good but we understand as we experienced this morning the call to assemble is for us to invest into the lives of one another realizing that we have been given as gifts 
to each other as part of our inheritance at salvation. We come together to love and worship our God. We want to be a church where prayer is a part of everything that we do. Not, not that prayer is God answering our requests, but prayer is us realizing that He is the answer to every one of our needs. We want to be a church where we, we remember the work of Christ. We remember through the Lord's Supper His, his death. We remember through baptism, his death and his burial, but then the, the new life that he gives as we baptize new believers. We want to be a church where we desire community with other believers. You know, being in, a, being in a Sunday morning service like this is wonderful. This is not where you find growth. You find growth by entering into the lives of other people in small circles, small communities, small groups where you enter the good and the bad of their lives and you walk through it together with them, pointing hearts to Jesus. We want to be a church that evangelizes by sharing the gospel in our homes, in our neighborhoods, and in our towns, but also where we partner with those who, who take the gospel from here to go to the ends of the earth. We want to be a church where we become and make disciples. Where discipleship is not something that's relegated to the pastors or the deacons, but rather each individual follower of Christ realizes their call to be a disciple maker. And especially this year, I, I hope we begin a greater emphasis on parents discipling their, their children. We want to be a church where we, where we generously share of the abundance that God has blessed us with. You know, for so much of my life, and maybe you might feel the same, tithing was, was an unnecessary duty that I had to do because I knew I was supposed to and I needed God's blessings without realizing I've already received every blessing from God there is to give. And tithing is not a duty. Tithing is an opportunity to give back, realizing what he has already given to me. And we want to be a church where we follow Christ's examples to serve. Serve the Christians in our home. Serve one another at church and serve the unbelievers in our community by, by using the spiritual gifts that God has, has given to us. So as we talk through these things, we, we as pastors believe that the Lord may be leading us to start this year with a series on spiritual gifts. And so about two months ago, I started reading and studying more on the spiritual gifts. And it's about two weeks ago, I realized I'm just not, I'm not ready to, to launch into this series yet. So I began to pray and ask the Lord, what, what do you want me to do? Do you want me just to, to devote more time and energy towards this? Or should I, should I look a different way? And the Lord directed my heart recently, three times in one morning, to John chapter number 15. John chapter number 15 is actually a part of a long and ongoing conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. Starts in John chapter 13, where they get together for the Last Supper, and Jesus washes the feet of his disciples, and he, he calls out his betrayer, and then he, he tells you, you're all going to deny me. It leads into John 14, where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and then he gives them the promise of the Holy Spirit to come and and then john 14 the last verse says that jesus is is ready to take the disciples outside of the of that room now that upper room and he he takes them outside and, and i can't speak 
into this. I'm just going to make an assumption. But I wonder if he takes him outside because he knows what he's about to say. Because the very beginning of John 15 says, I am the true vine. So in my mind, I'm like, I wonder if he was just leading them outside and maybe even to a vineyard. So as he begins to speak about being this true vine, they're looking at the vines around them. As I began studying John 15 over these last weeks, I, I realized that was not an accident that I was struggling to to bring those that series of spiritual gifts to you as a church. Rather, God was holding me off to bring me here first. Because he had a truth that he needed to remind me of as we launch into a, a new year. You see, I believe I was directed to this passage because we have this list of 10 areas that we as a church want to see ourselves succeed and not to receive accolades, but because a church that is successful in these 10 areas would be a church that is bringing honor and glory to God. And, and yet, while in the middle of talking about all a church can do, the Holy Spirit was reminding me, hey, before you think that you're going to start doing something for me, I want to remind you that the most important thing you'll do this week, this year is to be with me. Abide in me. And let me abide in you. And so I'm going to read the first 11 verses of John chapter 15 with you right now. And I initially had planned to just kind of give you three thoughts, but the Lord just kind of brought it down to one word. And we're going to talk about what the word abide means today. So if you would join me in John chapter 15, I'll begin in verse number one, and we'll read through the first 11 verses together. Jesus says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that he does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. As we get started, I would love to share the, the context in which Jesus is giving these verses to his, speaking these verses to his disciples. He's not preaching to a large multitude got 11 men with him 
11 men somewhere outside of the upper room. And again, I picture a vineyard, although I cannot, that there, there's no truth to that whatsoever. We don't see that in scripture. But, but he's in a loving and a caring way. This man, Jesus, is, is looking at 11 men of whom he has poured his life into over these last years. He knows what awaits him, the cross. In less than 24 hours, he will be arrested and crucified. But he also knows they don't know that. And he is preparing them not just for the crucifixion that he will face on the cross, but he is preparing them for his departure, his ascension, where he will leave them in just a short time. And he speaks to them saying, I am the true vine. The next Sunday, I'm going to come back and we'll, we'll hopefully go verse by verse through this passage. And however long it takes, I, I, want, I want to do that. But I'll explain a little bit better about what Jesus meant by the true vine. But let's just stick with the illustration that Jesus is the vine. He says, my father is the vine dresser. You are the branches. And if you're a branch that does not bear fruit, my father, who's the vine dresser, will cut you away and you will be burned with fire. But if, if you are a branch that bears fruit, he will prune you so that you can bear greater fruit. And as a branch, your greatest calling is not to produce fruit. Your greatest calling is to bear fruit. And if you will simply abide in me, you will bear fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, again, I, I would guess that for the majority of you here, what we have already discussed from John chapter 15 is nothing new to you. You've, you've heard a sermon on this, or maybe two or maybe 20 sermons on this particular passage in, in your Christian life. And, and yet, what does Jesus mean when he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, abide in me? Trinity, I'm going to embarrass you, so come on up here for a second. Sorry, I know. I know. So bring, bring this chair with you, if you would. Just, just grab a chair and just bring it up here. My, my daughter loves being the, the child of a pastor uh, who at any time will, uh, will bring her up. So the word abide, yeah, just, just bring it right here, if you would, right next to me, and just stand behind it. So the word abide, I didn't want to do what I think I, I, if I go back to the opening illustration of a penny, I didn't want to just assume I knew everything about it. And so, I mean, I studied it out, but then I took some time, and I, and I, I will use the word meditate. I, I just went to, to think, and I just simply said, God, I know what I've read, and I know what I've studied, and, and I, I know what my mind thinks, but what am I missing? What details am I missing? What would you want me to share with our church about abide? So I, I sat there, and here's what came to my mind in that time of meditating. Abide is a command that makes complete sense. When I'm doing the opposite It really doesn't make sense To command me to do something That I'm already doing So Here's a chair And I am Trinity I am going to command you I'm going to ask you To sit in this chair Before she does Does that make sense? She's standing I'm asking her to sit in the chair Would you please sit in the chair? Thank you. Nothing strange about that. However, ask, is this strange? Trinity, would you sit in that chair? Like, what's she supposed to do? 
Like, Dad, I, I, I know that, you know, I'm supposed to honor and obey you as, as my dad, but you're telling me to sit in a chair, Dad. I'm sitting in a chair. And so as, I, as I'm sitting there and, I, and I'm thinking through this, this command that Jesus says to, to abide, and I'm like, well, that makes complete sense if I'm not. What, do you, what if I am? Thanks, babe. Oh, that was it. Sorry. I'll pay you the $5 later, right? <laughs> Just leave it. No, it's okay. So I believe it's important for us to understand why Jesus is, is telling his disciples to, to abide. It's because he desires for them to be connected to him. There's so many reasons I would like to cover that as, as we go on. But, but here's what I'm thinking. Jesus is commanding men who are with him to abide in him, to be connected to him. Is it possible to be close to Jesus but not connected to Jesus? And man, I sat there in my, I was in my truck up at Mount Zion, and I sat there and I'm like, ah, oh, Jesus, what about me? Like, am I, I know that I'm close to you. I know I am. But am I truly connected to you? And I think that's so important because there are many people, even some who might be watching online, where you would call yourself a Christian, but the truth is you're not connected to Jesus or you are as connected to Jesus as an atheist. Not outwardly with what you do, but inwardly with what you believe. Because we sit in the lunchroom at work and, and, and news is, is being heard that there's going to be layoffs coming. And, and oh man, immediately people are upset and they're anxious and they're worried and they're, they're, there's, there's unkind words coming out talking about leadership and how can they do that and what, how am I going to survive? And, and what, is, what is someone who is abiding, who is connected to Jesus Whose words are abiding in Jesus? What, is, what do they say at that moment when they say, I might lose my job? Well, well, they remember that Jesus says, with his own words, do not be anxious for anything. You see the birds of the air. You see the flowers of the field. I take care of them. I will take care of you. And a calm rushes over. Remember the words of Jesus where he, where he says, you know, you will never give your, your child a stone if they ask for, for bread. And if, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more so the Heavenly Father, who is perfect, give good gifts to his children? And, oh, oh if I ask for bread, he's not going to give me a stone. He's going to care for me. And there's a peace. And there's a, a reminder that, you know, Jesus said your father knows what you need before you even ask. And it's like, ah, oh, there's a rest. Jesus, he knows. Like before I got the news today, he already knew. I can rest. That's, see, that's what someone who's connected to Jesus feels like. Or someone who might be close to Jesus, when, the, when difficult news comes, immediately there's this, I don't know how I'm going to survive. It's true. About politics, too. I cannot tell you how many times over the last couple of weeks I have truly just said to the Lord, thank you so much for directing my heart to bring to our church a series through the book of Esther as we were preparing as a nation to vote on a leader. Because that vote didn't go the way a lot of people thought it should. 
And people who are disconnected from the vine are saying, oh, what are we going to do? What's going to happen to our nation? Oh, no, I would pull my hair out, but I don't have any. I don't know what I'm going to do. How am I going to survive? What's going to happen? Can I tell you something? It was that series through Esther where we started by saying, I will look beyond my president and king to the God who pulls all the strings. That has just resonated in my heart day after day, day after day, as I saw our nation splintering. And I'll promise you this. I am far from being the Christian that I ought to be, but I have had a peace that God knows exactly what we as a nation needs. Maybe not the best for us economically. Maybe not the best for us politically. Maybe not the best for us as we desire to see things, but God knows what we truly need most. And what we need most is more of him, not more of another man. I read stuff on Facebook. My God's in control. That doesn't mean, it doesn't mean I agree with everything that's taking place. I want to make sure of that. It doesn't mean I just roll over and don't, don't ever say, uh, don't ever oppose the government. But, but I know that, that the man that was elected to be our president, you know what? God chose him. If you really believe, if you're really connected to the words of Christ and Daniel, we know that he is the one who places rulers on their thrones. I'm okay. But it's not true in every area of my life. It's not true of every disciple because you know, remember how many men that Jesus was talking to? Eleven. How many disciples did he did he have? Twelve. But we find that there's there's even one who was very close to Jesus who never chose to connect himself to Jesus, and and he didn't connect himself to Jesus even as he heard Jesus talk through two parables in Matthew chapter thirteen, where Jesus was revealing. That there are those who will grow and even have the appearance of growth, but because they are not connected to me, that growth will die, that growth will wither away, or I will wait, as in his second parable, I will wait until the harvest, and when the, the good and the weeds are grown up together, we'll cut them together, and when that happens, I will harvest the weeds and burn them, using the same language that is used in John 15. Judas heard was like right next to jesus as jesus is talking about there will be the appearance of people who are my followers but they are not truly my followers and i'm like i wonder if judas ever examined his heart he knew jesus he saw the miracle working power of Jesus. He understood who Jesus was as the Son of God, and yet he never connected into Jesus. It just simply caused me to sit and examine my own heart again, to ask me, like, am I a genuine believer in Jesus, or am I only looking to escape hell? Because I cannot tell you the number of people that I have prayed with throughout my lifetime where really all they were wanting, they weren't wanting a Lord. They weren't wanting anything to follow Christ. What they were wanting was, oh, you mean I don't have to go to hell when I die? Sure, I want that. Does that make someone a genuine believer in Jesus? Am I truly connected to Jesus or am I fooling others as Judas did by simply being close to him? So I, 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 
I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm working through this message and, and talking to the Lord at the same time. I'm like, okay, so I get why you would command me to abide in you if I'm disconnected from you. But, but in John 15, he's not talking to unbelievers. In fact, if you read verse 3 again, he says to these men, these 11 men with him, you are already clean. Like they were true followers, true believers of Jesus, and yet he's still telling them to abide. And I'm like, isn't that like telling someone, telling someone to abide who's already abiding, telling someone to sit who's already sitting? And again, I'm sorry. All this is, is going in my head as I'm sitting up there, Mount Zion, praying, meditating. And I began thinking of the many times that I've used the word sit. And eventually, my mind drifted from my daughter to my dog. Well, this is actually our, our last dog, and her name was Max. Her, her name was Max. She was an awesome dog. Max would sit anytime I would tell her to sit. But if I walked towards the cabinet where our treats were, she didn't want to sit anymore. She wanted to get up because, well, it was her natural instinct not to just sit. In fact, this is not a real good picture of her, but, but this is where we, when we lived in Indiana, that you could see Max has a, she's got her leash in her mouth. She would regularly run to get her leash so that someone would take her out. And so what I would do is, is when I would say, Max, sit, and I would, I would walk away, I, I would have to look to a dog who is already sitting, and you know what I would tell her to do? Sit. Stay. Sit. You're, sit. You're already sitting, but you just sit there. And it was, it was in that moment that I'm thinking about a dog. I was just over, I was literally overwhelmed with this command of Jesus, abide in me. Because what he was saying to me personally, that I'm just sharing with you, is he's saying, Brian, I, I know that you're trying to abide in me. Stay there, continue. And he was saying that. I believe one reason that Jesus commands me to abide is because my natural instinct is to abandon. Not, not to leave him behind, but to, leave, but to live independent of him. And it was, like he's, it was like he was saying, Brian, you have these 10 things on a piece of paper that you've written as, as growth and as success for the church, but I know your natural instinct. Your natural instinct is to look at those 10 things and to go rush off and do them for me. That's not what I want. Do them with me. And oh, I melted. It's my instinct, my natural instinct, is you give me a goal, I'm going to hit it, or I'm going to try really hard, and I don't care who I have to run over. And it was in that moment Jesus was saying to me, hey, listen, I don't, I don't need your church. I don't, I don't need the church at Mount Carmel. I don't need us to do anything for me. But if you would be willing to abide in me, I, I can do amazing, miraculous things in you that will come out through you. 
Abide in me, church. Remain in me, church. I will produce the fruit that you bear if you'll just simply remain. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Like, that challenged me too, because right, right? Don't you know people who are not connected to Jesus who are kind, nice, generous, giving? See, apart from Christ, a moral and a generous and a kind and a, a thoughtful life, apart from Christ, those will lead our hearts to self-righteousness, which is not a fruit of the true vine. It's when I realize I have nothing apart from what you have given to me. That's when I have to remain because apart from you, any good thing in me has the potential to become pride and sin in my life. So I must stay connected to the vine. So can I ask you, what's the state of your union with Christ? Are you truly connected or are you just close? If you don't know Jesus as your personal savior, if you've never realized what Jesus has done for you by living the perfect life, going to the cross and then rising from the dead to offer new life to you. Uh, if you've never trusted in his work, if you're trusting in your work and then you might be close, but you're not connected. But then there are some of us who, who we are connected to the vine. And my question is, are you living for Christ or are you living with Christ? Because if I can go back to our dog for just a moment. When she wants to go, she could care less where we're going. Uh, she doesn't have a clue when we put that leash on her. Are we going for a walk? Are we going for a ride? What's going to happen next? And Jamie snapped this shot of, of Max. And, 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 and here's what I know. That that dog, when she jumped into the back of my truck, she didn't care where we were headed. All she knew is that I am loving this because I am with someone I love. And I just thought, what if I was Max to Jesus this year? Put your leash on me and lead me wherever you want to go. Because it's not like I'm going to reach a destination that I don't want to be at when Jesus is my destination. See, when I'm abiding in Jesus, I am where he wants me, doing what he asks me. And church, again, I would encourage you. I would love to see our church become a greater disciple-making community with greater hearts of greater faith, Moved even greater because we understand the promises of God that are contained in the gospel. But those 10 things that I'm sure we'll get to at some point this year, 
Those ten things cannot be produced apart from Christ. So may we simply learn to abide, to remain, to rest, knowing when I'm with you, that's right where you want me. When I'm resting in you, that's exactly what you're asking me to do. And I will rest and remain so you can produce the fruit you desire me to bear this year. May we as a church truly know the state of our union, close or connected. Would you pray with me? Father, we desire for for you to be honored and glorified in our lives. God, I pray that you would please take this message. And that you would remind all of us who have this heart's desire to do something for you that the greatest thing that we will do this year is to be with you, to abide in you. And church family, as you sit there with your heads bowed and eyes closed, may I just simply ask you to examine your own heart? Do you know you are connected to the vine? Do you know there's been a moment in your life where you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus? And if not, please don't leave today without caring for that. I'll be standing at the back door. I would love to share that with you. Or ask the person next to you if they would walk with you. I would love to share God's word with you. But if you know that you are connected to the vine, then may I just simply ask, are you living for Jesus or are you living with Jesus? And I would encourage you this year as he calls us to serve him in greater ways to know that it just means we need to abide in a greater way because apart from him, the vine, we can do nothing. I encourage you just to take a few moments and silently at your seat, would would you examine your heart? Would you ask the Lord, am I abiding? as you desire. And if not, God, show me. Show me how I can abide in you in a greater way this year.